Next week, we're starting a brand new series called Five Dysfunctions of a Family. It's kind of our own play off of a, of a, a book, a business book out there called Five Dysfunctions of a Team, and, and we're going to do Five Dysfunctions of Family. We're going to be talking about work family, church family, um, and, and definitely our uh, immediate home family, and so we're excited about what God's going to do in that series. So invite somebody out. This coming weekend is our marriage conference. Friday, Saturday, would love to have you or, any, or maybe uh, you want to sow into somebody else's life, uh, do that. Wherever you're at in the process, we'd love for you to jump on, on board with this. Hey, let's dive into the text. We're going to go to Mark chapter 5 today. If you've got your Bibles or your phone or whatever you're using this morning, jump into that. And we're kind of in between series, a transitional day for us. And I uh, really had a word that I feel like God was right down the lane for, for what we need to hear this morning as a church. And... Uh, just want to, want to share a message called, This is Who We Are. This is who we are. Our, our mission is just the mission that Jesus gave us and, and following how Jesus made disciples in the scriptures. And so Mark chapter 5 is a, is a familiar text to some of you. Some of you maybe have, have never heard this, uh, but we'll dive in and let's share a little bit. Um, are we on verse 25? I'm going to start with verse 25. I don't know what they've got back there, but I'm going to start with verse 25 or 24. So Jesus went with them, and a large crowd uh, followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see, the, see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This this story takes place in the middle of two other miraculous stories of healing. You can think of Mark 5 as just a testimony of God's healing power, and Jesus is demonstrating this in his journeys. Uh, it begins, Mark chapter 5 begins with the healing of a demon-possessed man. Like This is someone that people used to know as a dude that was sane and someone who had lost his mind. And Jesus healed this man, and he came back to his right mind, and people were like, whoa, Joe's back to being Joe. And then we get to this woman, and we'll talk, spend our whole time talking about that, and she's got all kinds of healing needs in her life. And then there's a woman, uh, or there's a, a, a guy, and his name is Jairus. He's a, a well-to-do man of, man of influence, and his daughter is dying, and he's coming to Jesus and saying, hey, will you come heal my daughter? She's dying. And, and Jesus has just gotten that request on his, before he comes into this situation where this woman approaches and touches him. So he's in his path from one miracle to another. In his daily travels, he's just on the way there. And as we look at this text, I, I, I want to really talk to us about who we are as a church. 
who we are as a body and who Christ is. And I think we see that all in this text. And so I'll, I'll be pulling out nuggets. I, I think that really how we've classified them as our core values, but I think they're values for Jesus and how he lives his life and how he's called us to live. Because I think across the church in America, I think we, we've lost who we are in a lot of ways. I, I think a lot, of, a lot of churches and communities have turned into a country club, that it's social, and there is a social aspect to what we do, but what we do and who we are is sacred. It's not just social. It's, it's deeper than the social aspects of seeing people or crowds or no crowds. It's, it's a sacred gathering of sons and daughters bought by the blood of Jesus, and, and maybe it's easier for us to think about who we are as the church is a hospital for the sick to get well, not a country club for the well. Jesus said this a little differently, that I have not come for the well, but I've, or the righteous, but I've come for the sick. But what's the, the overall perception about church? Well, I'm going to get my act together, and then, I'm, then I'll get in there. I don't want anybody to know about this. It's like going into a hospital and going into the room and expecting that person to be fine. When like the reason they're in the hospital is because they realize they're sick. And there's been symptoms that have showed up in their life. And the truth is that we're all, we're all sick. We are all diseased. Just as this woman has suffered a great deal, all of us have. We've suffered under the weight of sin in our lives. And that's revealed in us. Jesus tells us who we're supposed to be by setting this example that we are to, to live our lives with selfless service. This is one of our core values, selfless service. This is who we are. Jesus is in his path, and I think in our daily life, in our daily path, we're so busy. We're, we're so busy. Like if you talk to someone from another country and, and they just get to know your life you know, or you're just catching up with a friend. How, how's life been going? What's the, usually the first line there? I'm just so busy. And my life's busy too, but like we're so proud about it. And like people around the world are like, you guys are like way too busy. And you're so miserable because all you do is, is just fill your life with just busy. And we're, we're such in this place. And, and, and th- th- there's not... That's a bigger conversation than what we can have today. But the biggest thing I I want to underline here is that we're not selfless like Jesus is selfless. We're not willing to be interrupted. We're not willing to be inconvenienced. I mean, we're just so spoiled in America. We're just so spoiled. Like if our order takes 20 minutes instead of five, like we expect it. We're, we don't want to be inconvenienced, and we've got all this pressure that we're living with, but Jesus wants us to live on mission, and he, he doesn't want us to live selfish lives. He wants us to live selfless lives, and Jesus is walking, and he's willing to be inconvenienced, even willing for a man that has this, there's this pressure in his life that his daughter's dying. There's urgency for him to get from one place to another, but Jesus thinks that what is happening in the middle is just as important. The person who's in front of him is just as important. But most of us, we're, we're always thinking about the next place we have to be, the next thing on our to-do list. We're always looking down there, and we miss out on this in-between, these moments of need to be presented that people are reaching out and looking people's eyes, 
get to know who they are. The eyes are the window to the soul. They really do tell us something about the pain that's going on and where a person is at. And so, I don't know if you've ever uh, been to a place before and um, the person that's serving you acts like it's such an inconvenience that you're there. You ever had that before? (laughs) You're like, I'm sorry, like I'm giving you money for your goods and service and you're just like, I'm sorry I made you wake up and be here. Like you signed up for this job and you showed up, so like let's give a good attitude, okay? You ever had that happen? Like I hate that. It's like, I'm sorry I'm such an inconvenience by wanting to purchase food from you or something. But it's the worst, but but I think many times we live like that. Like we, we've got that same attitude anytime we're inconvenienced or anytime. And when we begin to see ourselves as selfless servants, we're willing to be inconvenienced. We're willing to go above and beyond. We're willing to serve the one that's in front of us. There's a great quote, and a lot of people try to take credit for it. I don't know whose it is. Uh, it's not mine. But it, it goes, if serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. If serving is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. For, for Jesus, he, he said, if you want to be greatest in my kingdom, you've got to learn to become the servant of all. You, you've got to have this posture if you want to be great in my kingdom. And so we, who are we? We want to be like Jesus. Selfless, serving, present, willing to be inconvenienced, willing to go the extra mile, willing uh, to serve the one that's right in front of us. There's something powerful that God's doing here. And, and if we begin to live this as a whole, I mean, what a place, like how that would change our relationships, how that would change our marriages, how that would change our relationships, husbands and wives, just serving selflessly, teams at church, just serving selflessly, willing, willing to go the extra mile. Uh, th- this woman, she's been sick for a long time with what we kind of nicely put, and the woman with the issue of blood, like Come on, ladies, this is more than an issue of blood. This was like a 12-year ongoing thing. You can fill in the blanks of what kind of issue with blood hemorrhaging for 12 years. The scriptures don't exactly line it out, but we just fill in the blanks. What's going on? 12 years. One plus 11. <laughs> 12 years. A long time with this issue of blood. She suffered. We, we get that there's a suffering physically here. But don't miss it. She suffered financially. Like she had spent all she had. Not only did she suffer physically and financially, she suffered socially and emotionally more than what any of us in this room can ever imagine. She, she would be labeled ceremonially unclean. Ceremonially unclean, which means she could not come in contact with anyone that was clean. She, that means if she was married, she had to move out of the house. That means she couldn't come to church services anymore. That means she couldn't do whatever she did to, to make ends meet. She couldn't be in contact with anybody that's clean. She was an outcast by Jewish law. She, she was put out, suffering financially, suffering physically, lonely as she can be, and a social outcast. This is who this woman was. This is the life she lived for 12 years. And I don't know about you, but you can probably relate to one of those, if not all those. And and, and this was not just a chronic condition. This was a degenerative condition. Because everything she did, it got worse. It got worse. It got worse. And she had suffered 
a great deal. That's an understatement. She had suffered a great deal for 12 years, socially outcast, alone. You just begin to put yourself. And she makes her way. She builds up the faith because she couldn't touch anybody or that person would become unclean. And so to come to Jesus, she, the scriptures say she had heard about Jesus. And really our, our second core value I want to pull out today that we see Jesus offering here is unconditional a love, that he loves her right where she's at. And, and God's love, and I, and I think, let me, let me put it like this. I think a lot of us as believers, we work our way through the world like we go into a gas station bathroom. Come on, you know how that goes, right? Come on, you push the door, you wave the thing, you flush the toilet. Like, there's a way we work through it. And a lot of us as Christians, we work our way through the world like that too. It's icky out here. I don't want to get my hands dirty. I don't want to have this conversation. It makes me feel uncomfortable. We're just, and we're just toes up, pushing through, waving. But, but see what, what Jesus did. Jesus would not be made unclean by this woman. He would make the woman clean. He, he, didn't, he took on our brokenness and healed her. And the same is true as what we're called to do. We're called to be in the world, but not of it. Actually sent to the world but not in it. We're sent to the world. And, and to do that, to be who God's called us to be, to be an example like Jesus is, we've got to have unconditional love. Unconditional. It says, I'm going to love you the way you are, no matter how you are. No conditions, no strings attached. Like, I'll hang around you as long as you don't annoy me. I'll hang around you as long as you've got these things in place. Like, unconditional love. He loves you where you're at. That's who we're called to be. We're called to love people wherever they're at. And if you have trouble with that, and I think we all have at times, some people are easier to love than others. And most of the time, we don't love people, we love personalities. We're like people that kind of fit into our mold. We don't actually love the person, the heart of the person. That's who we're called to be, to love. And so if you, if you have trouble with this, like all of us have at times, just know this, God leads the way in love. We love because he first loved us. If you have trouble loving the person in front of you, just kind of take a few steps back and just think about how jacked up you know your heart's been at times and how ugly of an attitude you've had at times and, and the times you've messed up and think about how he's loved you through that and let him lead the way. He takes on our uncleanness. I think there's something deep about this unconditional love when it comes to this woman, because the scriptures say that she had heard about Jesus. She heard before she believed. Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61 in Luke chapter 4 when uh, he says that uh, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. He's, he's brought us into that mission to proclaim the good news. People are going to hear it before they believe it, just as this woman did. She was an outcast. Someone somewhere told her about Jesus. And that's when we really want to make a difference, when we really want to walk, when we'll tell somebody, when we'll proclaim, hey, I know you're on the outside here, but there's good news. I know you can't see it right now, but... And, and I don't know the path forward for you, but let me tell you what God's done in my life. 
I, I realize I don't have to, to live alone anymore. I, I can walk in community and a family. And that's what Jesus begins to, to do here. She, she heard and so invites somebody. It matters. She was invited to hear about Jesus. And she mustered up enough faith to get over what everybody else thought. Whoever would try to detract her. And that's why she came at a time when there was a bunch of crowds to push through the crowd so nobody would see her. And, and, and there's some kind of superstition probably in her that she thought the, the power was in the tassels. Like there was just probably something in her that, if, you know, I, I, maybe there's the respect side that I don't want to touch him and make him unclean, but there's also this idea that there was something in the him, something in the tassels that would make her whole. And, and, and I think many of us, sometimes we get superstitious about stuff. Like we keep trying things like we've got to rub the genie in the bottle the right way, but God um, takes us right where we're at in, in our point of faith. And she pushed through. And what happened? She was healed immediately. Immediately. She felt free. Do you, do you know that's possible for you and me? I, I know some of you in the room, you're carrying heavy loads of guilt, of shame, of addiction, of whatever, fill in the blank, that feels like bondage to you. It feels like slavery. Maybe that slavery is actually religion, you trying to do all the right things on your own. And I just want you to know, freedom is possible. And Jesus wants us to experience freedom. There was a time in my life where I thought I would never experience freedom. And I felt enslaved. I felt it to religion. I felt it in addiction. I felt it in, in guilt. I felt it in shame. I could put a whole list of things that I felt in bondage to. To ministry. I felt enslaved to these things. Time, And I just want every person in this room to know that freedom is possible. And... Taste and see that the Lord is good. Know that he has plans to set you free and wants to set you free. But you've got to extend yourself and reach out and, and meet him. And he met her there, but Jesus was not okay with this miracle being a private miracle. She could have just touched and been freed and been like, yes, thank you, and then like walked out. But that was not okay for a lot of reasons. She was ostracized. She was an outcast. Like anyone, if she would have said, hey, I'm clean, trust me. You're going to trust me on this. I'm not going to show you, but trust me. You know, I'm clean. You know, you're just going to have to take my word for that. That wouldn't kind of work. Jesus wanted to make this healing public and make sure everybody saw it because he wanted her engaged back in community. And so Jesus did what he asked a question. Have we not seen this every week for like four weeks? Jesus asked a question. God asked a question. And I've said it every single week, that when God asks a question, he's not looking for information or he's not starting an interrogation. He's staging an intervention. He, he he's wants something, some freedom to come out of this. He wants a step forward for this. Jesus wants her engaged in community. He wants her re-engaged where she's not an outcast anymore. She's back in the family. She's back in her community. But what's got to happen first? She's got to own up to it. She's going to have to speak up. A second step of faith here, where she's going to have to speak up. Really, our, our core value here is authentic community, that God wants us to walk and live. This is who we are, an authentic community. We say it all the time that no disciple walks alone. 
No, he doesn't want her going and being freed and being healed on her own. He wants her back in the family. He wants her back connected to people and back into society. And, and this is a hard thing for us. It's a hard thing for us to, to get to this place. And, and did you notice in the scripture where um, she came and she told him the whole truth? The whole truth. We say this all the time. Not everybody needs to know everything, but somebody needs to know 100%. If you're going to live in the truth, if you're going to live in freedom, somebody needs to, to know 100%. Not 95%. Go that extra 5% with somebody. Okay? If you're going to experience freedom. And so we've got to walk in that. God wants that for us. She came forward in, in such a time. And this speaks of that authentic, that transparency to to own up to it, to own up to the shame that she's been living with, to, to own up to the pain that she's been suffering from, like the stuff that she doesn't even want anybody to know about how they've been hurting, to say it, to own up. It's me. It's me that's stepping up in this moment. And how does Jesus respond to her? He says, daughter, did you know this is the only place in the entire scripture's in which Jesus says, daughter. A lot of times you'll see him say woman. But Jesus uses an intimate, tender, familial term for her sake and for everybody else's sake. He, he, he wants to, to bring this sense of family, of identity, of community back in her life that he, the rabbi, that everybody's crowding around proclaiming she's in the family. Her faith has healed. And I think a lot of us, we walk in this place of um, kind of struggling, of, of making our, our way forward. And, and I think we can begin to think that it's about our faith. Your faith has has healed you, but it's faith in Jesus that heals us. It's not faith in our, ourselves or how much faith we have. It's faith in, in Jesus. And, and so don't misconstrue that ever as you're praying and praying for miracles and praying for God to do something. Lean in and trust that it, it's faith in Jesus that will, that will bring the miraculous and that God desires for you to be in community and for, for you to include others in, to love them where they're at and to lead a transparent life Nothing will help you start to open up on your stuff if someone else will open up on theirs because you realize you're not the only one that's struggling. You realize that you're not the only one that, that's not perfect, you know, um, and that we can walk in that. So we live transparent lives. We're honest. We're vulnerable, knowing that, that this brings us into community and to tell the whole truth. This this phrase of um, this, this whole situation is not just about this woman either. It's about the community. But remember who's standing alongside Jesus here? Remember Jairus? He, he's the guy who came uh, to Jesus and said, my daughter is dying. Think about him in this situation. Think about, he's like, can we just move this along? Nobody touched you. It's a crowd. Like, let's just go to my daughter. But what a transformational moment for his faith to be built up because she was willing to, to do this. This needed to be public for his sake too, not just her sake. So God's gonna do something in our lives as we proclaim the good news about what God's done in, in our life. He's, he's gonna use it to impact others and build their faith in uh, the, the process. 
And now this woman, she never has to think again, was it the tassel? Jesus says, no, it was your faith, daughter, that healed you. It was your faith that healed you. Go and be freed from your suffering. Our, our fourth core value, Jesus displays here of divine vision. And we used to have a, a, our fourth core value, we call it creativity, um, but we kind of changed the phrasing of that because we think it more accurately depicts who we are and what we're trying to, to convey through this fourth core value of divine vision. Jesus sees beyond what everybody else sees. He sees from a divine perspective, and that's who we're called to be. Like, divine vision is this. To have divine vision is to be trained to see every person and situation as God sees them. That's, that's divine vision. It's to be trained to see every person, every situation as God sees them. And you may say, hey, that's not possible. No, perfecting it is not possible, but practicing it is. Perfecting it is not possible, but pr- practicing it is. We can daily look on every situation, on every person, and say, hey, God, I- I'm looking at this with my own eyes. Can you help me see this as you do? God, this person's driving me crazy. Can you help me see this as you see it? Can you see, help me see this person? Help me walk in the truth of who you've called me to be. We, we, we've always talked about Philippians 1.6 that says, He that started the work in you will be faithful to complete it. We say this a lot. God's not finished yet. God's not finished yet. Everybody else, they had written her off long ago. They had forgotten about her. God did not forget about her. God, God saw her where she was, and he called her daughter to invite her, and he saw her as he saw her. And, and I think I need, I need to clarify this because I think a lot of us, someone being born in the image of God does not make them a daughter and son of God. Being born in the image of God is every living human being on this planet. They've been born in the image of God. They were created with a divine image and an opportunity to respond in faith to him. Uh, Romans tells us that every single one of us are without excuse. What We become um, a daughter or a son of God when we are born again. Not born the human, but born spiritually. That's when we become a son and daughter of God. And who we're called to be is to see that in people and to call it out in them. To say, hey, like there's more in you to call it out and say, hey, we see it. We see it. God can use you. God's got a story for you. And God wants to do something greater in your life. This is who we are. This is who we're called to be. To live our lives with selfless service, unconditional love, authentic community, and divine vision. I just want to ask you where you're at in this this morning. A little more selfish than selfless this week? Say, Pastor, I can't help it. I've just always kind of been in this flow where it's just me and take care of me and nobody's ever been there take care of me. So now I'm just in a flow of just take care of me. It's just got us in this pattern of selfishness and not willing to be inconvenienced for anything or anybody. And we take it out on the people in traffic and we take it out on the people at work. We take it out on the people at home because we're just trying to take care of us. But when we know his unconditional love, like he's going to take care of us. And we can be selfless in how we live, knowing that he's called us into this great faith.
Maybe, maybe the unconditional love part is hard and we just say, Pastor, I've just always been judgmental. My mom is judgmental and real critical of people and now I just can't, I can't see past it. I'm just always picking them apart and don't love people unconditionally. God wants us to be a reflection of Jesus. He's the head and we're the body. We're his hands, we're his feet, we're his lungs, his heart. We're the we're, we are what they know about God by how we live. And a lot of us are sending the wrong messages, sending the wrong signals because we're selfish, because we're critical, because we're judgmental, because we're not vulnerable. So it's tough for me. Like, we've just always kept everything real tight to the chest in my family. God's called us to walk in this honesty, this integrity and this honesty. He's called us to live with divine vision, to see sons and daughters, as future sons and daughters, no matter where people are, to love them right there. No matter where you're at today, we're all in process on this. But this is who Jesus Christ is as he walks this out here. And this is who we're called to be. I'm going to ask you to stand, and this band's going to lead us this morning in a new song that really talks about us being a vessel us being a vessel of God's presence, of his healing in this life. In these next few moments as, as they lead us, I want you to just pray. Just pray and say, God, am I being a vessel for you? I want to be a vessel, God. And just say, here I am, God. You can send me. Make me your vessel and pour me out. God, I thank you for every person in this room today. Thank you for their presence. And, and I just pray that, God, we would be more than present, but we would truly be spiritually and emotionally and mentally present, not just physically present. Not just today, God, but Tuesday morning on Sunday night, can we be present with you uh, this week when we're inconvenienced in some way and someone comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden our day's spinning, can we just serve that person? Can we walk and just be who you've called us to be? When a person that we're ready to just cast out, God, can we just, just stop for a minute and, and see them as you see them? Can you help us, God, when we're, we're prone to, you know, speak flowery about ourselves or boast in our own goodness? Can we boast of you and be transparent about the grace that's so freely offered to us? God, help us to live in this way. Help us to live in a God-honoring way that sees not it with earthly eyes, but sees with the kingdom perspective and an eternal perspective to know that you are not finished yet. In any soul, in any life, in any street, in any service, in any ministry team, in any family, in any marriage, God, you're not finished yet. And so we will keep serving, we will keep loving, we will keep pouring out, God, knowing that you're not done yet. God, turn us into your vessels holy vessels for your glory, for your renown, and for the, and for the glory and the, and the sake of our neighbors who are hurting and suffering. This place is a hospital for sick people to get well. This is who we are, God. Lead us in it. Transform us in this moment.